0: at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson.
1: I have something most serious to discuss with you, and that is the fact that everyone, and I mean just that, no one is going to be excluded in regard to our subject today. It doesn't matter what your background might be, what language you speak, What race or ethnic group you belong to, this will most certainly impact you. And what am I speaking about? What the Bible calls the day of judgment. The scripture makes it very clear that it is necessary for everyone to appear before God. And God is going to pass judgment upon every person. And the subject of this judgment is simply this. Where are you going to spend eternity? And what type of eternity will you experience? And the answer to this question is twofold. You will either spend eternity in the kingdom of God, with the presence of God with you all the time, and the blessings of God being a recipient of his promises, or if you reject that gospel, if you say no to what Messiah Yeshua, that is Jesus Christ, did for you on the cross, then you will spend eternity in darkness. There will be weeping. There will be torment and nothing will ever change. And you will be in a place ultimately that is called the lake that burns with fire and brimstone. It is a place of fear, sorrow, and pain forever and ever. Now, God wants no one to go there. And therefore, he provided one way. Did you hear that? One way and only one way to avoid this. And if anyone truly seeks God, the Word of God promises that God will make known to this one this plan of salvation, this way of being reconciled to God for eternity. But the problem is this. So many people stay away from what Messiah is going to focus in on today's teaching, and that is conviction, That is, realizing that you, left to yourself, are guilty. And by your own works, by your own thoughts, by your own actions, you will never find justification. What does that mean? You will never be made acceptable to God. Being made acceptable to God, being justified or declared righteous by Him, only comes through faith. That's what God reveals in the Torah, and the perfect example of that is one man by the name of Abraham. For the Bible says in Genesis chapter 15 and verse 6, Abraham believed in God, and God accounted it to him for righteousness. For by faith you have been saved, not of works. It is a gift from God. Well, to get your Bible, We have a new chapter to begin today. We are in Luke's Gospel, and our new chapter is chapter 12. So if you would, take out your Bible and look there with me. Follow along as we study God's Word together. Now, Messiah had spoken a few things in our last lesson, and now he is going to speak about what should be the priority Of our life, look with me to Luke's Gospel, chapter twelve, and verse one. It says here, "In these and the implication in is in these times a Mildred of a crowd." Now, the word Mildred is an old English word that relates to a large number, ten thousands of ten thousands. And so we see here that there was this exceedingly large crowd that had gathered, and it says here they had gathered so that they were trampling upon one another. And it's in the midst of Yeshua, our Lord and Savior, the Messiah, him being there that all the people had come. Now, remember what we talked about last week. This is when he had some very harsh words for the religious leaders and make no mistake about it they did not like what he had to say but now we see a large a great crowd coming to him and it says here that he began to do something we see that he began to speak to his disciples and notice that next word it's simply the word first Now, what does that mean for us in this context? He's teaching us about the priority that we should have. Now, all of us, we are going to live in a way that we put things in order, in order of preference. And what's important about this passage is this Messiah is teaching us about what should be the priority of our thoughts, what we should put first in our minds. And that is what happens after death. And who should we fear? Who should we be concerned with? Look again. And he began to speak with his disciples first. And notice what he says. Take heed of yourselves. Now, this is a word for literally holding on to. It is a word, and the implication is, Don't make changes. What you have been taught and the implication is what God's word reveals, don't change that. You hold on to that. You be committed to these things. Now, usually this word, and I don't believe there's an exception here, usually this word is spoken in regard to disciples, Messiah's disciples, followers of Yeshua. And the context is usually that of the last days. So once again in the verse verse 1 take heed to yourselves from the leaven of the Pharisees. Now, we know leaven in the scripture is associated with sin and also it tends to work itself through the entire lump, the entire batch. And what he's saying is watch out Take heed because there is something very dangerous and he calls it here the leaven of the Pharisees and then he tells us what it is, which is hypocrisy. Don't be a hypocrite. Don't say, I believe this, but your life, your actions, your words don't reflect it. What he wants is this, a spiritual consistency in your life. And that spiritual consistency should be an agreement between what you say, how you think, what you do, and the instructions of God's word. There should be an agreement between God's words, his instructions, his commandments, and what we do in our life and how we prioritize our life. Then he says, now we're ready for verse 2, but nothing nothing that is hidden which will not be revealed. Now, this tells us with judgment, remember, and the context will bear this out in a few minutes, with judgment day comes a revealing. Anything that is hidden, and there's all types of things that each one of us, let's be honest, that we have done, that we have said, and we want those things to be kept silent but judgment day comes and everything this is the context everything is going to be made known everything as it says here is going to be revealed therefore you know you can't do anything about the past you can ask for forgiveness you can put that under the blood of messiah but we can't make a change now that we don't live in a way that is going to bring us shame and embarrassment So he tells us in regard to Judgment Day, there is nothing that has been hidden that is not going to be revealed and that which is hidden, which is not going to be made known. Therefore, now look at verse 3. In light of that, we should respond in a certain way. He says, therefore, whatsoever being in darkness said... So in darkness is an expression meaning uh, something in privacy, something that is not public. So whatever is said in darkness, realize in light, it is going to be heard, meaning everyone is going to know this. And then he says, middle of verse three, and that which is in the ear spoken in the inner rooms. Now, the inner rooms, this word can have to do with a a barn or a silo, and people would go into these places to have private conversations. And he's warning us. These conversations that we thought were in private, that no one other than that person could hear, well, in the end, everything, and I want to emphasize that, everything is going to be made known. When the kingdom of God begins, there's not going to be any secrets. Everything's going to be revealed, and God, in His majesty, based upon His absolute power and authority, He is going to put everything in order. And everything's going to be judged, meaning, if I have done things that I ought not, it is going to have implications. These rewards that faithfulness will earn, but also acts of disobedience, acts of faithlessness is going to subtract from. There is going to be an accounting. What does the scripture say? Messiah speaks and says, my reward is with me to render to each one according to his deeds. And deeds includes words and thoughts and such. So judgment is going to bring about a, a putting in order and that everything that was said, even in secret, it is going to be made known. So he says, that which in the ear was spoken in the inner rooms will be will be revealed or proclaimed would be the better way to translate this, will be proclaimed upon the housetops. So everything's going to be known. Verse four, but I say to you, My friends. Now, he's speaking to his followers we already saw. He said this to his disciples. There was these large, large crowd there, but what we're going to encounter here in this passage today in our study, he is addressing first and foremost to his friends. Meaning this, the reason why it's said this way is because he's giving us wisdom, insight, knowledge for our best you realize that god wants the best for you but we need to be aware of the fact that his best for us is found in his will obeying his word, submitting to his revelation so look again verse four but i say to you my friends do not fear from the one killing the body and After these things, having no, and the the implication here is having nothing more to be able to do. This one can kill your body, bring an end to your life, but that's it. There's nothing more than this one is able to, to do. And therefore he says, and it's a commandment, do not fear such a person. They can kill you, but then... They can do no more. He says, move on to the next verse, verse 5. It's a word of revealing. He says, I will show you, literally, but I will show you in contrast to what most people do to fear the one who can take a life. He says, but I will show you whom you shall fear. Fear the one after killing has the authority, this is the important part, after killing, has the authority to cast into hell. So now, who's able to do that? Well, no man has the ability, no demon, No, not not even Satan, no one has the ability after killing to deal with that soul. The soul is God's domain and his domain alone. And it's God based upon, and hear this carefully, based upon the gospel, which will determine where your soul is placed. And there's two options. We talked about that a few minutes ago. Your soul will either be cast into hell, this place of torment, or your soul will be taken and deposited in the kingdom, first the kingdom of heaven, then the millennial kingdom, and ultimately, and in its final condition, the eternal kingdom of God, known by the phrase the new Jerusalem. So, it is only God that is able to determine where your soul will spend eternity, and it's Him that you should fear. What does that word fear mean? It's Him that you should give priority to His words, His instructions. His revelation to humanity. He says, look now to verse 6 so we have a right perspective where he says, Yes, I say to you, this one. This is in the end of verse 5. Yes, I say to you, this one. And the emphasis is on that word, this one, referring to God. You, him, you shall fear. Now verse 6. He asks a question. Are not five sparrows sold for, and the implication is, two coins. Most Bible will say two copper coins, meaning very simple, not of great worth. Sparrows, even five sparrows, aren't very valuable. And what does he say concerning these invaluable sparrows, those that do not have much of the way of value? He says... And one from them is not forgotten before God. Think of that. A valueless sparrow, five of them even. God never forgets them. He's aware of them. He cares for them. None of them, not even one of the five, is forgotten before God. Verse 7. But also, or we could say even, but even... The hair of your head, all has been numbered. Meaning, God knows all the hair. He's numbered every hair upon your head. Now, scientists say that that we lose approximately 200 to 500 hairs every day. Obviously, I tend to lose more than that. But what we find is it's ever-changing. God knows. Nothing escapes the knowledge of God. So he says here, but also the hair of your head, all has been numbered. Therefore, do not fear, meaning don't you be afraid because, he says, more than sparrows are your value. You are more valuable than sparrows is what he's promising. Verse 8. But I say to you, now he's telling us how we can secure our eternity. And again, this should be your utmost concern. Because this life and this body is going to come to an end. Perhaps much quicker than you think. Oftentimes death catches people. Oftentimes death catches people off guard unprepared. And that is a a tragic thing. Now, many people are unprepared for death financially and sometimes relationally, but you do not want to be unprepared for death spiritually. And this is what he's going to emphasize in this passage. And therefore he says, look at verse 8. But I say to you, Everyone who should confess me before man, also the Son of Man will confess him before the angels of God. Now this is a promise. If we confess Yeshua, Jesus of Nazareth, and the implication is that he is Lord, that he is God, that He is Savior, that we put our faith in Him, we acknowledge our sinfulness, we accept what He did upon that cross on Passover. When He laid down His life, He shed His blood to redeem us eternally from all of our sin, all of our iniquity, all of our transgression. If we confess His name before men, meaning we acknowledge Him, what He is, what He's done, And what he has promised, if we accept that, then what does the scripture say? It says, also the Son of Man will confess him before the angels of God. But look at verse 9. But, and we have that word of contrast, but the one who denies me before men, he will be denied before the angels of God just that simple if you want forgiveness from all of your sins if you want to be placed after you die in the kingdom of god there's only one way you must confess the name yeshua that is in english jesus you need to put your hope in him acknowledging what he's done for you that he's died upon that cross he shed his blood And believe, not only has he died, but God the Father has raised him from the dead. He triumphed over death. And what does that mean theologically? He earned victory. He had victory over sin. Death could not control him. Death could not hold him. He rose over death. He had victory over sin. And it's only, and I want to say that very clear, it is only through him, no other way, no other name, only through him can you find forgiveness. And through that forgiveness that comes by faith in the grace of God, you will receive eternal life. And hear this, nothing, nothing whatsoever can ever change that. When God gives eternal life, there is nothing in the Scripture that says He will take that away from you because He makes with us a new covenant, which is an eternal covenant. And therefore, He promises to forgive us of all of our sin and to remember our sin no more, and He promises to give us just that eternal life. And if it's eternal life that He gives... It can't change. You can't have eternal life one day and lose it the next. It is forever that we know that God has given us that that inner peace, that assurance, that comfort. And this is what he's promising here. Look again. He says, the one who confesses me before men, the son of man, that means him, will confess him before the angels of God. But the one who denies me before men, this one will be denied before the angels of God. Verse 10. And all, every word which is spoken, notice this, every word that is spoken against the Son of Man will be forgiven him. Now, this is to to prove something to us, and that is how important the Holy Spirit. Now, we know we speak about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Now, we know God the Father, God the Son, how important. But so too is the Holy Spirit, that third member of the Trinity. And what does the Scripture say to us? And it's so important that we understand this properly. Look again at verse 10, where he says, And all who speak a word against the Son of Man, this one will be forgiven. It says it will be forgiven him. But, meaning in contrast to that, against the Holy Spirit, one who has blasphemed, this one will not be forgiven. Did you hear that? Now, the question that we should ask ourselves is this. What is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit? Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Some will say it's not even possible to be done today. It has to do with Messiah doing a miracle, being convicted inwardly that you know this miracles of God. But you willfully attribute it to Satan to the 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 leader of the demons now this is pure rebelliousness and it's doing what we talked about last week wanting to prohibit those who are entering into the kingdom of god from them to do so it is being a false witness specifically against the work the activity of the holy spirit he says but To the one who against the Holy Spirit has blasphemed, it will not be forgiven. Verse 11. But whatever, whenever they shall bring you before those in synagogues. Now, why does it say synagogues? We're not talking here about a Jewish place of worship. Synagogue is a Greek word. It's a Greek word that simply means a house of assembly. Now, it's true, in Israel, it was used for worship by the Jewish community, especially after the Greek Empire left and they were under the Romans. But that word speaks about a place of assembly, usually in regard to a government. And he says here, notice, whenever they should bring you before synagogues, and notice, rulers and authorities, well, this is not referring to a Jewish synagogue for a place of worship, it refers to a local government office. He says, do not worry about what, what or how you will make a defense. Don't worry about that. Why? Or what you should say, last verse, verse 12. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that same hour what, and I like this, what is necessary, what is proper what one must say and this is what god is promising what is necessary to say be faithful trust god don't worry about the consequences of where that faith might take you because the holy spirit will never leave you nor forsake you he will provide for you exactly what to do and what to say supernaturally
0: well we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others